0: And now, Father, we come to the time in this service when we open your Word and discern the messages from its pages. We know that this Word, O Lord, is truth, it's infallible, and it's inerrant. It stands alone as truth and light. And i ask you, O God, that in these next few moments, the Word of the Lord would do its work of instructing us, informing us, Yes, correcting us and leading us and guiding us. And I ask you that the words of my mouth would be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. You know, this world is not really looking for the coming of the Lord Jesus. I dare say I don't know if the church is really looking for the coming of the Lord Jesus. If we were, rather, we'd be packed out this morning. But it seems like that the coming of the Lord, the teachings of the Word of God, have kind of been put in a category of choices that we can pick and choose. Do I want to go to church today, or do I want to go to sleep in, or do I want to go here or go there? And we... What I want to tell you, for the real dedicated child of God, church is a wonderful experience that you should look forward to. And it's a wonderful time of refreshing, the Bible says, a time of encouragement, a time of being blessed. But the Bible tells us over and over that in the last days, the perilous times will come. And that word perilous means dangerous. Dangerous times will come. The Bible said, for men shall be lovers of their own selves rather than lovers of God. That they will be fierce and incontinent, despising those that are good. They will uh, not honor their parents. They'll break away from their parents. And the Bible says very strongly, from such turn away. In other words, don't be a part of that kind of thing. The church has a big job in living for the Lord in these last days. In fact, the Bible said, In the latter times, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Now, those are strong words, aren't they? They're very, very difficult, strong words. But the Holy Spirit would have us to know how firmly he feels about the church in these last days. And the Bible challenges us that if we just won't faint, we will reap in due season. When the season changes, when the times change, and don't be distracted and don't be paralyzed and isolated by what you see going on. God's word is still God's word. It doesn't change. It always will be just as it is. Jesus hasn't changed. The Bible said He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. God hasn't changed. He said, I am the Lord and I change not. So we have to really be on our guard lest we change and uh, adapt another attitude about the word of the Lord and about God's instruction for us in these last days. Psalms chapter 9, we don't really think about Psalms 9 being a prophetic book, but it sets the stage today for what I'm going to talk to you about, and that is the tragedy of forgetfulness. Forgetfulness, the Bible said, all nations will be turned into hell that forget God. We're told over and over, don't forget his commandments. Keep his commandments. Don't uh, get to a place that you're so calloused that you can't be touched by the feeling of what the word of the Lord does. The one reason to know that you're saved is that you can get convicted. You see, because whom the Lord loves, he convicts. Whom the Lord, the Bible said, whom the Lord convicts, He does that because of his parental love for us. It's a chastisement. And the Bible said, if you don't ever feel that, then you're an illegitimate child. And not a son, not a daughter. Because all of those that the Lord loves, he chastises and he convicts. Including me. Including me. Well, I've had him take out his stick and warp me good. Amen. I've had the Lord really bust my bottom really good for me and he did what my daddy does he said uh, i'm doing this because i love you and god does that to get our attention and to help us psalm chapter 9 verse 5 speaking of god you have rebuked the nations and destroyed the wicked you have erased their names forever some people ask me brother Irwin, how in the world can i be happy in heaven Knowing that I have loved ones that didn't make it and was lost, how can I be happy? That scripture right there, that verse tells you how you can be happy. It says the enemy is finished and you have erased their names forever. In fact, the Bible tells us that you just won't have any memory of those things that would spoil heaven for you. You just won't remember. A person that lived their whole life but never gave their heart to God. Someone that uh, missed the, the rapture and lost out with God. You just won't even remember that they were. They're erased. Uh, the Bible said God would erase them, insomuch that you would remember them no more. Hmm. So I hope that answered for somebody today about. Worrying in heaven about somebody going to heaven. Hell, that won't work. That There is nothing in heaven that will ever cause sadness or sorrow. There is nothing in heaven that disappoints. There is nothing in heaven that hurts or injures. There is nothing in heaven that causes pain. There's nothing there. But the Bible said joy and bliss and pleasure evermore at his right hand. That's a real blessing right there, isn't it? That verse chapter 5 or verse 5 of chapter 9 you have rebuked the nations and destroyed the wicked erased their names forever the enemy is finished in endless ruins the cities you uprooted are now forgotten but the lord reigns forever missed a great place to say amen but the lord reigns forever Executing judgment, that means righteousness or fairness, from his throne. He will judge the world with justice and rule the nations with fairness. Boy, that's good. You see, verse 15, switch down to there, Go, put it in forward. The nations have fallen into the pit they dug for others. In other words, what you did to other nations... One day is going to happen to you. Hmm. The nations have fallen into the pit they dug for others. Their own feet have been caught in the trap they set. The Lord is known for fairness and justice. The wicked are trapped by their own deeds. The wicked will go down into the grave. This is the New Living Translation. They will go down into the grave. Your King James says would be turned into hell. This is the fate of all nations that ignore God. Or every nation that forgets God. But the needy will not be ignored forever. The hopes of the poor will not always be crushed. Arise, O Lord, do not let mere mortals defy you. Judge the nations and make them tremble in fear, O Lord. Let the nations know that they are merely humans. They are just people that have been created by God. They are just people that were taken from the dust of the earth to which they return to the dust of the earth. Sometimes we forget who we are and where we came from, that we would stand and defy a sovereign God like we do. And he said, right here he says, let them remember that they are just humans. And I want to say this first before I say any more. I'm proud to be an American. I stand at attention for the national anthem. I pledge allegiance to the flag, put my hand over my heart, do the whole thing. Uh, I'm patriotic. I love America. I love who I am in America, and I thank God for this wonderful country, the most favored nation, the most blessed, richest nation on the face of the earth, the mightiest, most sovereign nation on the face of the earth. So I want to start with that and let you know I am an American, and I'm proud to be an American. You know, the tallest structure in Washington, D.C. is the Washington Monument. It's 550 feet tall it's 55 feet by 55 feet at its base it weighs 69,000 tons it is strategically placed in a part of Washington DC where the four quarters of the District of Columbia are extended from that central monument as to form a cross on top of the Washington Monument there is a capstone that is made out of pure aluminum and it says "Dós Deo" which literally means "Praise ye the Lord." It's Latin. Latin for "Praise ye the Lord." It is on the east side of the capstone facing the east because this nation believes that Jesus will come in the east. Watch the eastern sky, because that's where the Lord will come. Did you know it is so designed, the Washington Monument is, at that first light, when the first sun hits anything in this country, it hits the top of the Washington Monument. First thing the sun touches when it comes up in the morning in this country. Wow. So just putting all that together, it's saying this that this nation was born a Christian nation. And this nation was born by Christian people that believed in the Bible, that prayed prayers, prayed prayers to God. In fact, the first prayer that was prayed at the inauguration of George Washington was this, Almighty God, we make our earnest prayer that thou will keep the United States in thy holy protection." That thou wilt incline the hearts of the citizens to cultivate a spirit of subordination and obedience to the government to entertain entertain a brotherly affection and have for one another and for their fellow citizens of the United States at large. That was the prayer after the inauguration at St. Paul's Chapel in New York City by George Washington. So it seems very Obvious to me that our intent in coming to this country, bringing about this nation, has been that this nation would be a Christian nation. It's amazing that, according to George Barna's statistics, that something like seventy-five percent of all the citizens of America claim to believe in God. In fact, claim to be Christian but only 10% of our population goes to church on Sunday. So the vast majority of us don't really see the need to read the Word of God, go to God's house, worship the Lord. The greatest majority feels another way, yet they call themselves Christians. That's amazing, isn't it? It's amazing to me that we can claim these Things that God does for people, yet we never return that seemingly back to Him. Nations are mentioned in the Bible in the last days of prophecy. God speaks to men and God speaks to nations. And God judges the souls of men and God judges the affairs of nations. It is God that allows nations to exist. It is God that allows nations to pursue their destiny. It is God that allows the nations of this earth to make decisions. All nations and empires in the past have had a definite beginning and a definite ending. The Roman Empire lasted from 27 B.C. to 476 A.D. The Greek Empire lasted 350 years The Persian Empire lasted 208 years. The Babylonian Empire lasted 86 years. The British Empire, 250 years. Well, we just celebrated a few years ago our bicentennial, didn't we? Drew, that was when everybody grew a beard. 1976. Don, did you grow a beard in 76? Don't remember, it's been so long ago. Can't recall. Back then, Phil, just about everybody you saw had a beard. And that was kind of a symbol of, uh, we were celebrating our bicentennial. Hard to believe that was 1976, and this is 2021. So we're looking toward a tricentennial right now. And I must tell you that democracy and the American experience experiment, rather, is a very new thing. It's kind of a, a, a trial as to where it's going to stand for a long time or whether it's going to make it. It has had many pluses, but it also has some minuses because you have to take the good with the bad and you have to let everybody say what they want to, where they're saying what you want to hear, or agree with, or not. And right now in this country, there is the greatest division that there has ever been in this country. We are evenly divided. Somehow or another, the devil has come against people in such a way as to segment us and isolate us and try to start enmity and malice among us. It's a trick of the devil. And it comes from the pits of hell. We don't need to allow the devil to to diversify us and split us up and cause us to get in little people groups. No, God's blood-washed people are one people. God's Spirit-filled people are one people. God's holy church is a church that loves one God and believes one Bible. And they have one way of salvation, and they have one who is the object of their worship. They have one that is their leader, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. For the Bible tells us He is the head of the church. He is the head of all things, and nothing consists uh, except by the word of His mouth. That all things were created, and all things remain because of the word of His mouth. Amen. And those are things that we agree upon. That this word is true, that it's infallible, it's inerrant. And that's not for any negotiation. That is simply the way it is. There is one cross, there is one Savior, and His blood washes away the sins of the world. He died for the sins of the world forever. And because of that vicarious death for every one of us, then the Lord Jesus has been the first fruits in everything. He has done everything for us. He's the first fruits from the dead. Amen. Did you know that the first resurrection has started already? Jesus started the first resurrection. He's the first fruits. And then there's going to be what is called the general harvest of the resurrection, it takes place at the rapture of the church. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, the voice of the archangel, the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. That's the general harvest. Then there will be what is called the gleaning of the harvest because there will be some people that will turn to the Lord, that will give their heart to God. And John saw them in the book of Revelation, the sixth chapter, and he said their souls, they were they were killed for the word of their testimony. And they cried out, how long, O Lord, most holy and true, dost thou not avenge our blood upon them that dwell upon the earth? And God said to these souls and spirits, he says to them, give them a robe of white and tell them to wait until the proper time and they will be avenged and they will be, glory to God, they will be rightly treated treated because of the stand they took. Amen. So we find a gleaning of the harvest there as it takes place. Now, let's put all of this in perspective. America is beginning to fall into the same political worldview that brought the collapse of nations and empires. And did you know that all of them weren't defeated so much by outside forces as they rotted from the inside out. They began what they used to call sin, they now call okay. What they used to feel like was blasphemous. They now say that's okay. And so we've become so accepting of everything until we stand for much of nothing. And that tells us that a culture is gaining ground among us that condones sin, that hates the Word of God, doesn't like evangelical Christians. They are actually offended that you try to get people saved. They are offended that you would tell somebody That they're going to be lost if they don't accept the Lord Jesus. The culture that is emerging in this country is against that and does not want this church and other churches that are ecumenical to go into the business of soul winning. And to accept that is to accept something that God didn't say. God said, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Go into the world and make disciples of all nations. Go into the world and save people from the lostness of their sins. When Jesus came, they asked him, why did you come? He said, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. And as he described the harvest, he said, pray ye the Lord of the harvest that he'll send forth laborers into his harvest. Well, I want to tell you, culture is against That activity. Culture is against the church in that respect. And we must, we must embrace those things that are most commonly believed among us and stand for those things. You see in 2 Peter 3, verse 3 and 4 knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. America may still be a player in world economies, but scripture seems to indicate that the time the church is raptured and the Antichrist breaks his policy with the Jews, America is no longer the powerful force in the world as it is today. These men are Bible scholars of decades. They will stand here and tell you that America is not mentioned in prophecy. The richest nation on the face of the earth, the most blessed nation on the face of the earth has, is silent. The Bible is silent about the greatest nation ever. That seems to let us know that something happens in America. That they're no longer the power that they are during the tribulation period. The simple fact that the United States cannot be found in prophetic utterance haunts me. I said that haunts me as one who is interested in getting people saved and getting people in the kingdom of God. That haunts me because I'm, I'm wondering what happened. What happened in America that they're not present when you talk about all of these things? Where is the promise of his coming? Dr. John Walters, who is one of the great writers and scholars about eschatology, says this, although conclusive and debate debatable, debates are centered around what America will be like at that time, it seems that America will not be a major power in the world. The silence in the Bible concerning America's role in the last days is haunting to pastors and churches who would fail to remember to love the Lord with all their heart, with all their mind, with all their soul. Dr. Alan Lewis is a leading eschatological Lecturer, He says, I am haunted by the silence of the scriptures concerning the USA in the end times. We've had great preachers in the church of God for many years. Brother Ford, you remember George Britt and Albert Batts and Clyde Cox and all those great guys, A.A. Ledford, Amos Ledford. I used to love to listen to him talk about uh, the revelation. And they've told us for years the same thing. That that's a mystery, it's a puzzle, that you can't find the United States of America in prophecy. Wow. We know that during the last days there will be wars and rumors of wars. As a powerful force in the world, could it be that world war, and just about all folks who are political and military tell us there's going to be possibly five Wars, more wars. Could it be possible that a war could be fought with nuclear weapons? Second Peter three and ten. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come. Don't be deceived. Don't think that God has forgotten about it or changed his mind. The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. Thieves don't send you a letter saying on Thursday of this week about 6.30, I'm going to come rob your house. Thieves don't send you any warning. They come without warning. And that's the way that the rapture of the church will be. It is without warning. In fact, the Bible even said, in a time that you think not. That's when the Son of Man is coming. So, in other words, He's coming at a time we think not. So the title of this message, Barb, should be, The Great Surprise. The great surprise. Because for many, the coming of the Lord is going to be a surprise. It's going to be a surprise. Now, in Daniel 9 and 27, see if you can put that up there for me. I'll go back to that in just a minute. Daniel 9 and 27, Daniel, that famous scripture and that pre- sermon I preach about Michael, the warring angel coming down and, and defeating Satan so that Gabriel, the messenger angel, could get the message to Daniel. 21 days that fight went on, if you read. Read it when you get home. I ain't got time to read it to you right now. Read it when you get home. Daniel 9. The 27th verse talks about a person called the Antichrist. The Antichrist will be the leading figure of all the things that you read in prophecy during that tribulation period. To put it in perspective, this 27th verse talks about the Antichrist. He said, and he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. When the Bible talks about a week, it means seven Seven weeks, seven days, whatever it's talking about, it means seven. And seven is the number of completeness, yes. One week, and in the middle of that week, when our seven years is 84 months. So half or the midst of the week, the middle of the week would be 42 months. Right? Forty-two months, he will confirm the covenant. But listen to what it says. In the middle of the week shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of abomination, he shall make it desolate even until the consummation, and hath determined shall be poured out upon the desolate." Well, boy, could America get to the place that we're desolate? Could it become such that these 70 weeks, 26th verse talks about 70 weeks that are determined upon God's people? Now, the tribulation period is originally for the day of Jacob's trouble. It's originally supposed to be about judgment for Jews for refusing Jesus. And some... Say, we're not in that because it's a time of judgment for Jewish people and not for us. Well, that's, that's kind of lame because uh, the Bible said it shall come upon all the world. Revelation 3 and 10, because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep you from that hour of temptation which shall come upon all of the world to try them that dwell upon the face of the earth. So then God has said, yes, there's going to be a tribulation, but he's saying to you, I will keep you from that hour. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 9 tells us, for God hath not appointed us unto wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Then God Does not have the intention of putting the church through the tribulation period. There are those that believe in a post tribulation rapture, that the Lord will come back after the 84 months or after the seven years. And he will come back at that time, but it will be the second coming of Christ. Now, the second coming of Christ and the rapture of the church are two different events. Two different events. There is no warning about the rapture of the church. It will happen as a thief in the night. And I want to tell you, when a thief comes to your house, he doesn't come to steal all your throwaways. He comes to get the best thing you got, usually hunting your jewelry. And the Bible said, God said in the Old Testament book, in that day when I make up my jewels, they shall be mine they shall be mine. You see, of that 70 weeks, it begins with the edict of Cyrus in 445 B.C., the command to go forth and rebuild the walls at Jerusalem. And that 69 weeks there ends with the coming of the Prince, the Messiah. Well, Jesus rode into Jerusalem hallelujah, on the donkey, Palm Sunday, and it culminated, the coming of the Prince, the Messiah, culminated the 69th week. And then the Bible said there'd be a break between the 69th week and the 70th week. And the 70th week is the week of seven years. Are you following me? And in the middle of the week... The Antichrist will break his policy with the Jews. And he will go to Jerusalem and enter the temple and he will command that he be worshipped as God. Well, Brother Jerry, I've just got one question. Where am I during that? You will be in heaven. I said you will be in heaven in the presence of the Lord, at the marriage supper of the Lamb, at the judgment of rewards, and preparing to come back with the Lord in Revelation 19 and 11. Revelation 19 11 is the second coming. John said, Behold, I saw a white horse in the midst of heaven, and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. It's the Lord Jesus. And he gets on down to where he says, and the armies of heaven followed him. That's us. So the church is not seen in the earth. Church is not mentioned at all in the earth from the fourth chapter until the 19th chapter. Why, Pastor? Because we're not going to be here. Well, where are we going to be? Revelation 5 and 9. Got it? Revelation 5 and 9. And they sang a new song. We're in heaven, and Jesus is standing in the midst of the throne. And the Bible said there's a book in his hand, or God has a book in his hand that's sealed with seven seals. And he says these words, and they sought for someone that was worthy to take the book and to loose the seals, and no one was found worthy. And I, John, fell on my face and wept because no one was found worthy to take the book and loose the seals. And one of the 24 elders came over and laid his hand upon my head and said, weep not, For the lion of the tribe of Judah and the root of David hath prevailed to take the book and to loose the seals thereof. And the next verse said, and they sang a new song. Saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to loose the seals thereof, for Thou wast slain and hast redeemed us unto God of every kindred, people, language, tongue, and nation, and hast made us unto our God, kings and priests, and we shall reign with Him upon the earth. Now, we can't be in heaven singing about being blood-bought and be down here in the tribulation at the same time. We're either one or the other. And I think that scripture right there puts us around the throne of God with all of that many, many, multi, multi, billion, jillion, trillion, trillion, God says that He is committed to Israel and He will never break His covenant to Israel. Israel is sitting over there right in the middle of war and strife and enmity and malice on every border that they got. There's fighting and killing. There's lobbing missiles across the Sea of Galilee. There's all kind of... Since they became a nation in 1948, They've seen constant struggle. Did you know since that time until today, our country, America, has done a great job and have contributed over $100 billion to Israel? Because we realize the importance of Israel and the stability of that region. But more than that, we know God has said to Israel, Surely, blessing, I will bless thee. And multiplying, I will multiply thee. And I will bless them that bless you. And I will curse them that curse you. And America needs to take heed to that. And realize that as long as you take care of God's people and defend God's people, God will take care of you. 2 Peter 3 and 10. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise. Tenth verse says, but the day of the Lord will come. And listen to what it says. He'll come as a thief in the night in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise. Now I'm going to read the description and and you tell me what it sounds like. The day of the Lord will come. In the which the heavens shall pass with a great noise and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Does that sound anything like Hiroshima or Nagasaki? 400,000 killed at one time? This earth has not seen destruction like that occurrence will be. Well, what are we going to do? Let's sum all this up. I'll preach some more about it later, but verse 11, seeing then that all of these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? In other words, If you've listened to Pastor preach today, how do you respond to that? He said, by living right, by living godly. All of these things, oh, Pastor, you've scared me to death. I may not sleep for a week. Well, I don't mean to scare you. I just want you to know that we should live godly in Christ Jesus and that we should, when the elements are falling apart and when that's all happening, we won't be here, but that's going to happen. And he said, seeing then that all of these things shall be dissolved, what kind of a person should you be in holy conversation in God? Look at verse 12. Looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of the Lord, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, nevertheless, have you got a Nevertheless. Nevertheless, when this earth is going to hell in a handbasket, nevertheless, nevertheless, when all kind of disaster is going on around you, nevertheless, when pandemic is taking people's lives, nevertheless, when all kind of hostility is going on, nevertheless, 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 looking for and hastening, wherein the heavens being on fire elements shall melt with fervent heat, Nevertheless, we, according to His promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. The only reason God would take one out of the way is because He's got a better one. Got a better one. But now they desire another country. That is a heavenly And God is not ashamed to be called their God because He has prepared for them a city. A city. If you could have walked up to Abraham many years ago and said, Uncle Abe, where are you going? He'd have probably said, I'm just looking for a city. I'm just looking for a city that has 12 foundations. Oh my God, 12 stories. And he said, that city that I'm looking for, it's 1,500 miles square. It's 1,500 miles high. It's garnished with a different jewel on every floor. Amen. And he said it's 1,500 times 1,500, and you're going to get something like 3 billion and so many hundred thousand of rooms that are one mile wide, one mile high, and one mile long. Isn't that wonderful? That God is such a great god that he's prepared for his people such a wonderful future and the bible said for us just to say even so come lord jesus read the last verse of the 21st chapter there in revelation the last thing the bible said even so come lord jesus i'm telling you i'm ready for him to come right now i'm ready for him to come right now i'm ready for this to be the day I'm ready for this to be the hour. I'm ready for right now the Lord to come back. Are you ready? Is anybody ready in this house to meet the Lord? If I could not put my hand and say, yes, 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 then before I leave here today, I'd make sure that my answer to pastor's question is yes. Yes, the Bible said, be ye therefore ready. Matthew twenty-four, forty-four. be ye therefore also ready. For in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man cometh. You know, I'll leave you with this. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 6, the Bible said, only he who now lets will let until he be taken out of the way. Boy, that's good stuff. Only the one who now is allowing nations to be nations and allowing people to be people and allowing Christians to be Christians, only he who now lets will let until something's going to happen that's going to change everything. Something's going to happen that's going to pivotally change everything. What is that, pastor? It's the coming of the Lord, the catching away of the saints. Catching away of the saints. Let me tell you this. Only he who now will let until he be taken out of the way, then. Did you hear that word? The next verse starts with then. When is then? After we're taken out of the way. Then. When the salt and the light have been taken out of the earth, then, when they that name the name of Christ Jesus are taken out of the way, then, when people are caught up to meet the Lord in the air and go to spend eternity with Him, then, after the church is raptured, then, shall that wicked be revealed. People are making so much ado about trying to identify who the Antichrist is, or do you believe he's alive? He will not make an appearance until we're gone. You won't know until we're gone. We are a restraining force right now that's holding back the Antichrist. He can't come in right now because the church is present in this world. And only he who now lets will let until the church be taken out of the way. Then shall that wicked be revealed. Whose coming is after the working of Satan with signs and wonders and all power. That word means total. Well that lets me know we're not going to be here because Jesus told the church. You will receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, unto the uttermost parts of the earth. You want to hear what I personally think? I'm going to tell you anyway. I believe that when God's people are gone and the light and the salt has been taken out, I believe there'll be millions of people that won't show up for work that day. I believe there'll be planes that don't have anybody to fly them. I believe there'll be bus drivers that nobody's driving the bus. Can you imagine blinking your eyes and the next minute the Lord has come and people have been caught up to meet the Lord in the air? And suddenly the light and salt is gone. Brother, in this country you take away God-fearing people. In this country you take away all the people that love God and believe His Word and take them out and leave the rest of the world here. I think that's why they don't play a very big role in prophecy because you've taken the light and salt out. Someone said, Brother Jerry, do you believe this vaccine is uh, the mark of the beast? No, absolutely not. Why do you believe that? Because the church is still here. I said, the church is still here. Hey, mark of the beast is not for saved people. Mark of the beast is not for people that have been washed in the blood of Jesus. Mark of the beast is not for people who have accepted Jesus as Savior and Lord. Amen. The mark of the beast is way over in the 13th chapter of the book of Revelation. Way past us and at least three and a half years after we're left. Besides that, it will be a signet of identification. The Greek word is sagrophos. It means to mark or to put a signet of identification on your hand or your forehead. And that's the way that works. But now the spirit of that activity is alive and well. Because I believe that the people of the world and the people of governments would love to have control over God's church. I believe that. I believe they would like to tell the church what you can do and what you can't do. And a real test for pastors and and Christians is going to put you on the front line there. Put you on the front line. And we know what the Bible says. If there's going to be a host of souls and spirits under the altar that died for the word of their testimony... There had to be something bad take place, didn't there? And the Bible said they died for the word of their testimony. Oh, God, help us. Amen. Help us to take a stand and help us to get a good hold on the word of God and help us to get a good grip on the blood of Jesus, get a good grip on loving our our neighbor and loving the Lord and serving the Lord with all of our heart. We need Well, Finchie used to say, we just need to double up on our praying. I said, double up. She said, double up. Boy, wouldn't it be something if the church could double up. Double up on our praying. Double up on the intensity of our worship. Double up on our commitment to God. For I believe in these last days, Brother Sam, it's going to take people that are prayed up And it's going to take people that know who they are in Jesus to stand in these last days. I believe that with all my heart. I really do. Stand with me, please. All over the house. Pastor, I sure was hoping you'd make a shout sometime this morning. I wish I had that. I I told Ken one time, I said, Is there some way that you can run a wire? to each row of these things and and do it wireless so I can have it in my pocket. And when I see them there that they need a little shot in the arm, and can bang. Woo! Hey, somebody years ago said, you go around them Pentecostal people, they'll sprinkle them powders on you. You'll go to jumping and acting crazy, they'll throw them powders on you you know what I said to that? I said, I wish there was such a thing. I wish there was such a thing as shouting powders. Brother, I'd give every one of you a good dose and douse and you. You'd look like a powder puff before you got still. Amen. <laughs> Amen. You see, I don't come here to make you shout. I come here to tell you what the Word of God says. What the Word of God says. And Brother Jennings would remind me if I didn't know it already, if you don't do it, their blood's going to drip from your hands one day in judgment. I owe it to you. I've got to do what God called me to do. I didn't really want to preach this this morning, but God laid it upon my heart by the multiple phone calls that I've got this week of people that are so scared, "Hey, don't be afraid. Look up, your redemption's drawing nigh. Amen. Hey, don't back into a corner somewhere and hide. No, Lord, let your light so shine among men that they'll see your good works and give glory to your God in heaven. You want people to glorify God? I really do. I really do. I really do. Thank you, Father, for allowing us to be in your house today. Thank you for the word of the Lord that's quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. Thank you for the word of the Lord that heals us up and also does surgery on us to cut away things that don't need to be there. And I ask you, God, that this word we've heard today wouldn't scare us or cause us anxiety, but would give us peace so that we could live that life and walk that walk waiting for the coming of the Lord. Bless us as we leave your house today and keep us safe from harm and danger. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.